0: We are wrapping up the Comeback Series today by looking at my favorite character in all of the New Testament, and easily one of my top three favorites in all the Bible, the Apostle Peter. Peter. And I love Peter, and I love his passion, I love his boldness, but I think most of all I love how consistently inconsistent he is, you know? And that may sound a little weird to say, um, but the reason I love that is because I so identify with that. I mean, that's, that's me. And if you're really honest, that's you too. Now, Peter had these really high points, and he had these really low points. He had these mountaintop experiences where he reached the top, and he was just kind of soaking it all in. You know, ah. And then within one second, he was on the other side. I mean, that was, that was Peter. That summed him up. And by far, the most significant of all of his low points, and there were many, but the most significant of them all was obviously when he denied the Lord Jesus. When he denied knowing or following Jesus. And that clearly showed that he wasn't as loyal and devoted to Him as he had originally and pridefully Thought. And that realization completely broke him. It broke him in two. And if you're a Christian, then you should be able to relate to Peter uh, in a lot of areas, but especially in this chapter of his story. You know what it's like to be broken by coming face to face with the painful reality of just how weak your devotion to Christ really is when you willingly choose sin and self over him. See, every time we do that, we're denying Jesus, just like Peter did. And if you walk with the Lord and you truly do love him, as Peter did, when that happens, it it breaks your heart. It totally breaks you. And that's not all bad. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Because we need to be broken over our sin. You agree with that? We need to be broken by sin. Um, That's a good thing. God brings us to that point. But we can't stay there. That's the key. Be broken over sin, but we, we can't stay there. And we don't have to. That's the really good news. We don't have to stay in that place of brokenness. Because thankfully, no amount of brokenness is too great for Jesus to repair and restore and renew. And Peter experienced that, and so can you. So, fast forward in Peter's story to a point after Christ's resurrection when Jesus gave Peter and six other disciples that were with him a miraculous catch of fish after they had failed to catch any all night long. Which, as a side note, uh, was a very big example of intended deja vu uh, for them, considering that's exactly how Christ's original call on them as disciples took place. In fact, it was even on the same lake. Uh, that we find them on at this point in Peter's story. And we come to a roaring fire and an intimate conversation. In John 21, verses 15 through 17, the Word of God says this, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus... Asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? You know, there's something about sitting down at a fire. It's, it's cozy. Um, it has a, a sense of bringing things down to the level they need to be at. You know, we, we tend to get introspective around the firelight. Sometimes we can have those hard conversations, those serious conversations, the very personal ones that maybe we avoid other times. And there's just something kind of significant about a fire, you know And that's what we see here. And so Jesus asks Peter a really hard question here. And when Jesus said, "Simon, son of John, do you love me?" we need to understand something about. What was said there in that word? Our our English language, it's just kind of shallow. You know, when we say love, we can say that word in talking about a good steak or about our our wife or our husband. Hopefully, we mean it in a different way when we say, I love my husband or my wife. As good of a steak, you know, that we might have, hopefully, we mean something a little bit higher uh, when we say we love our wife or our husband but it's still the same word. In the Greek language, which this was recorded in, there's different degrees and levels of love. And there's very intentional words that designate the degree of love. And so when Jesus asked Simon Peter here, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He used the word agapao, which is a form of agape love. It's The highest degree possible of love. It's it's totally self-emptying love. Self-sacrificing. It's the ultimate unconditional expression of love. And the reason he asked Peter if he loved him in this way is because this is exactly the degree of love that Peter claimed to have for Jesus before he denied him. At the Last Supper, Jesus dropped two bombs on the group. He said, one of you is going to betray me to the religious leaders and you're going to betray me to my being arrested and being put on trial and going to the cross. That's all going to happen because one of you is going to betray me. But then he said, not only that, all of you are going to abandon me. You're all going to leave me. You're going to go your own way. You're going to forsake me. You're going to leave me alone. And Peter, in typical Peter fashion, said, I don't think so. Not me. Not me. Every one of these guys might do that, but Jesus, I'm going to be with you to the end. I'm going to even die for you. Jesus said, really, Peter? You really think so? Peter said, yeah, I'm your man. I love you with an agape love. And Jesus said, well, Peter, I, I hate to tell you this, but before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you even know me. You're going to deny that you're even part of me. Three times. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So here with this conversation around the fire at breakfast, Jesus says, Peter, what about now? You really think you love me with a totally undying, unconditional, self-sacrificing love to the highest degree? Do you really think you love me more than these, these fellow disciples of yours that you claimed To love me more than before? You really think you can say that, Peter? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Peter, though, didn't use agapao. The word he used to respond with his love for Jesus was phileo. That's where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It was it was a brotherly affection. It was holding you in high regard. You're, you're close to me. You mean a lot to me. But it wasn't that highest level of love. So he says to Jesus, Jesus, I do love you. But I can't bring myself to say what I did before. I, I, can't, I can't in all honesty say to you that I love you to the highest possible degree. But I, I do genuinely love you. Like a brother. Like a close friend. And here's what Jesus said in response to that. Feed my lambs, he told him. That's, that's telling Peter, provide for my little ones. Nourish and bring up those that are weak. Those that are, are new to following me. Those that are, are young in the faith. Feed them, nourish them, grow them, Peter. In verse 16, a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And again, Jesus referred to agape love. It's it's as if he's saying, are you sure? Are you sure you've worked through this? Are you sure you've come to grips with the way you really love me? Are you sure you understand the depth of your love now, Peter? Do you agape me? You said that before. you sure you've Worked through that. Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. I really do. And again, Peter replied with the phileo love. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. That's, that's telling Peter to look at those who are farther along, those that are mature, those that have already experienced growth, but to continue to guide them, direct them, disciple them. In verse 17, He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time, Jesus used the same specific word that Peter had been replying with, phileo. Jesus said, do you even phileo me, Peter? Can you really even say that? Alright, you've been honest and you've said that you know you no longer can safely say you love me to the highest degree. Do you even love me at the level of phileo? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? Because if not before, certainly by now, Peter would have completely understood the connections. Peter had denied his Lord three times. Now Jesus is saying three times, do you love me? He denied him at a charcoal fire. Now he finds himself at a fire again. So all of that would have come rushing back. Not as if he probably had easily forgotten it even prior to this point. But it certainly would have been front and center in his mind. He would have seen the images. He would have heard the sounds. He would have heard the rooster in his, in his mind again. And I also think he was grieved because he realized that Jesus was coming down to his level. I think he was grieved because he couldn't love Jesus to the degree that he knew Jesus deserved to be loved with. We can relate to that, can't we? We can identify with with Peter here. Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord... You know everything. You know that I love you. Phileo. He's saying, Jesus, you you know the, the deepest part of me. You know the innermost part of my heart. You knew everything all along. You knew that I would deny you. You told me that I didn't believe you, but you told me. Sure enough, I did. You know now that... I may not be able to love you to that highest degree, but I really do sincerely have love for you in my heart. And to the most, to the highest, to the strongest degree possible, yes, I love you. As much as I can give you, I I give you my love. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. I would love to sit down with Peter one-on-one. And, you know, right now, as I think about it in my mind, um, that's one of the things that's on my list to do when I get to heaven. Now, it may be totally different when I get there, you know. But right now, in my mind, that's important to me. That's a priority for me, to somewhere along the line find Peter, sit down with him, maybe at a fire, and say, Peter, you know, I've read this account of your interaction with the Lord after the resurrection, after He saw you there on the Sea of Galilee, after you sat down with Him at the fire, and after He reinstated you and recommissioned you. and I've, I've even preached that passage, Peter. But I want you to tell me in your own words, will you, will you please tell me in your own words what happened in your heart and, and what, what Jesus and his statements to you, what that did to you, how did that make you feel, Peter? What did that do in your mind and what did it do in your heart? Tell me in your own words, Peter. I, I just have that in my, in my mind. I see that. And I, I hope I get to. And what I am sure that Peter would say to me, what I just imagine him telling me that he learned through this encounter, What that encounter taught him and what we can learn from this encounter and what we need to. I think Peter would tell me, well, what I learned first of all is that awareness of our sin should make us amazed by God's grace. Awareness of our sin should make us amazed by God's grace. I think he would go on and he would tell me, He would tell us, God's grace toward us, that's what makes it so amazing, God's grace toward us is not connected to the level of our love for him. It's always connected to his love for us. That's God's grace. That's the measure of his grace. It's not the measure of our own wickedness. It's not the measure of the degree of our love or the lack of it. The measure of His grace toward us is directly tied to the measure of His love for us, which is always agape love. I think Peter would also say, in thinking of God's grace and in talking about His grace, he would say, you know, it still amazes me, even now, here in eternity, in glory, it still amazes me that He meets us in our failure. And shows us his faithfulness. He meets us in our failure. And he shows us his faithfulness. And Jesus showed this by by pursuing Peter. And loving him. Rather than by denying him. After he had been denied. And rather than leaving him in his brokenness. He met him and he restored him. And he does the same for us. Every time we fail, which is, let's just be honest, constantly. He doesn't just leave us in that failure. And every time we deny our devotion to Him by choosing sin, by choosing self, by choosing things other than Him, He doesn't deny us. He pursues us and He loves us and He restores us and He raises us back up and He he shows us His faithfulness. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so desperate in my need of that. Aren't you? And as I would think about that and contemplate that, Peter would go on and he would say, and, and the other thing that I just can't get over, I never got over it after that point, after that fire, and I still can't get over it to this point. He would say, God's use of us is not limited to By our limitations. God's use of us is not limited by our limitations. And I am so grateful that that is true. Jesus showed this in the way that he met Peter where he was at that point in his story. On a lower level of love than Jesus rightly deserved. He met him there and rather than criticizing or judging it, he accepted it. He received it. And by doing that, he demonstrated true agape love because he took what Peter was able to give him and, and he called Peter to go forward in that love and to serve him. And as he did that, Jesus would work in Peter's life, helping him get to that higher level of love and devotion, the ultimate expression of love, which he eventually did because Peter actually gave his life for the Lord. Before the gospel, we know that to be the case. In fact, at the end of this passage, he even foretells that to Peter. He says, You're going to end up doing what you said you would do before, where you told me you would die for me, Peter. Well, that's, that's what's going to happen to you. And we, we know that that indeed did take place. And again, church, he does the same for you and me. He meets us where we're at. He, He enters into our limitations, and even though he rightly deserves more than we could ever give him, he doesn't demand it. He stoops down at our level, and he says, maybe you can only give me this this much of yourself at this point. Maybe you can only give me this level of love, and even though I deserve the highest level of devotion, even though I deserve the highest level of love, right now this is what you can give me, and I'll take it but I'm not going to leave you there. As I use you where you're at, I'm going to work in you, and I'm going to work on you, and I'm going to take you to that higher, deeper level. And we experience what, to borrow from C.S. Lewis's great book, The Last Battle, we experience him taking us further up and further in. Here a little, there a little. My friends, no kinder Savior can be found no kinder Savior can be found. We might find grace and we might find love and tenderness in in relationships here on earth and in our lives. I hope that's true of you. But no matter how great your experience with human personal relationships might be, no matter what your experience of grace and love might be on the human level, nothing is going to compare to the level of grace and love you will find in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what Peter experienced. And it's because of that that he was able to go forward and to go on and to be the Peter that we see in Acts as the leader of the church. He was able to hear from Jesus, yeah, I know that you love me, Peter. I know that. I need you to know that I know. And I need you to know that you still love me as well. Because that's what happens in our lives, isn't it? When we we do choose sin, when we choose self, when we have allowed ourselves to have split devotion... When we come face to face with our failure and we are broken, we begin to question, did I really love Jesus at all? Do I really love him? Can I really serve him? Do I have anything at all to bring to the table? Can I even contribute anymore to the kingdom? And we hear the voice of the enemy telling us, nope. Now if you don't really love him, you wouldn't have done that if you really loved him. We hear the voice of the enemy saying, see, you can't serve him anymore. You're done. That's it. But if we'll listen, we'll hear the voice of Jesus like he did with Peter saying, I know you love me. I know you love me. You need to know that you love me and you need to know that I'm going to receive your level of love and I'm going to use it and I'm also going to fan that flame of love higher and higher and higher to make it what it needs to be. I'm not done with you yet. It's the same voice that you and I can hear if we'll listen. It's the voice of love, it's the voice of grace, it's the voice of mercy. It's a voice we don't deserve to hear. Now, none of this makes sin okay. You need to hear that. None of this makes sin okay, and we can't allow ourselves to minimize or to water down the seriousness or the consequences of sin. We can't do that. Paul addressed that in Romans six one, where he said, what, should we sin so that grace may abound all the more? No, God forbid, he says. And Peter would stand up and say amen to that. And all the others that we've looked at through this series would say the same. Moses and David, Manasseh, Zacchaeus, they would all say sin is serious and it's it's intense and it's not a good thing. That doesn't mean we can just sin knowing that we're going to be forgiven. Nobody would agree with that. No one that's been able to come back from their sin would say that. They would all say, no, sin is, is horrible. It's devastating. It should break you. But what is true is that we can always get back up again even though we don't deserve to be able to that's grace that's grace we don't experience being just thrown away and discarded like we should be like we're used to seeing in life you know that's what our experience is humanly we know that if you mess up enough you are done that's how society works you know, there's, there's very few true comeback stories in the world, in this life. And so if we're not careful, we can take that and apply that ideology to the way God works. But that's not the way God works. And even though we sin and we fall and we fall hard, we can still get back up. We're not thrown away when we should be. We can experience being cleaned up. We can experience being recharged, renewed, and put back in the game. We're given the chance to make a comeback every moment of every day. The other thing that we see here in Peter's encounter is the other part of the comeback story. It's what was true of every single person we've considered throughout this series. When we come face to face with our failure, when we are reminded of how sinful we truly are, what happens is the monuments of self, self self-glory, self-righteousness, monuments of pride that we've built up in our hearts and our minds, they get burned down to the ground. And that's a good thing. And when that happens, we're able to, as we look at those ashes and and we're able to look at that blackened rubble, what happens is through that, we see this glorious, beautiful light of God's glory shining through. And we see the, the beautiful, glorious light of God's grace just shining through the rubble and shining through those ashes that are around our feet. And as we look at that great, beautiful light shining through, it shines into us and God pours His grace into our lives. And then he pours it out of us to other people around us that are in need of it. People just like us. And he tells us, now that you've received my grace, go out and show it and and proclaim it and share it to other people. It's what Paul experienced. It's what Peter experienced. On and on we could go. So my question to you as we come to the end of this series and end of our time today. Have you experienced personally God's grace? And to experience his grace, you first have to acknowledge and admit that you have need of it. You have to come to grips with the fact that you are nothing in yourself, nothing except a rebellious, prideful sinner in need of a grace and a mercy and a love that you can only find in Jesus, and knowing that that grace, while free to you, was not cheap, that it cost the one giving it to you everything. It cost him leaving heaven to come to an earth that he knew he would be rejected by. It cost him leaving the glory and the worship of millions of angels to come and receive the rejection of man. It cost him being rejected and forsaken by his father for the first time in eternity so that we could be forever accepted. And it's it's understanding that and, and realizing that was for you personally. You. And if there had been no other person alive on earth, he would still have done that for you. Have you received that? Have you embraced that? The comeback story awaits you. It awaits all of us. But it's not going to be forced on any of us. Have you given yourself to that grace? Have you allowed the Savior to write your comeback story? I'd like to have you pray with me. And before we go to prayer, I... I've asked you a very important question now. I want to give you a chance to respond to that question. If you're here today and the answer to that question is no, you've, you've not ever personally fully received the gift of grace. You've not, you've not allowed the Savior to start writing your comeback story. There's no need to wait any longer. You don't have to wait any, anymore. Today can be the day of your freedom, your forever freedom. Today can be the day of your fresh start. Today can be the first chapter of your great comeback story. Just give yourself over to the one who gave everything to you and for you. And if that's you, I would love to pray for you and I would love to be available to talk further afterwards if that's the need, if that's something that you would appreciate. Is there anybody that would say, that's me? Just let me know by just slipping up your hand, as simple as that, to let me know I need to be praying for you in that way. Is there anybody at all that would say, that's me? Anyone? Okay, then maybe you're here and you're already in Christ. You've received that gift of grace. You've received His forgiveness. And you do love Savior but maybe like Peter you are so broken by recent sin, you're so devastated by your recent failure and you're so smothered by the guilt of that that you need what Peter needed a a time around the fire you need to sit down with the Savior and, and hear him telling you Yeah, I know you love me. And you know what? It may not be to the level that you know you need to love me with and the level that I am fully deserving of, but I'm meeting you where you're at and I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it and I'm going to use you because my using you is not limited by your limitations. Maybe you needed to hear that today. Maybe you need that renewal and that healing that Peter did. I would love to pray for you in that way. Is there anybody who would say, yeah, that's me. You just you nailed it. You described me. That's me today. Pray for me, would you? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Anyone else? Amen. Yes. Anybody else? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your grace that is truly amazing, that should always amaze us, and that will amaze us long into eternity when we're with you. Thank you for Peter's example that even one who denied you is not too far from you to restore and to renew. Thank you for all the examples we've looked at through this series of people who the world would look at and even the church would look at in some cases and say, that's it, that's enough, that's too much, it's too far. And you said, no, there's no such thing. And you brought about a comeback story. And and in each of those stories, Father, it was more about you than it was about them. And those comeback stories were more about your grace than their failure. And it was more about your glory than anything they had in them. And the same is true for us. Father, thank you for your grace and thank you for the chance... To experience your love and your healing and I pray for those who specifically raise their hand, saying that's what I need. I need to be reminded that though I have failed and I failed miserably I'm still loved I'm still accepted I'm still able to be used by God to go out and, and impact others for the kingdom And he'll work in me and he'll bring me to that higher level. I need to just trust him. Father, I pray for each one who said, yeah, that's me. I need that. Father, please, by your spirit, work and minister in their hearts in that way. Let them hear your voice, the voice of truth, the voice of healing, the voice of renewal. And let that voice and the experience of your grace prompt them to go forward in service for you. And I pray that for all of us. May we all be able to say, my Jesus, I love thee, knowing that you accept it and receive it gladly. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.